Welcome, welcome again to another rendition of WTF Interviews. My name is Sir Royce Brialis with my prestigious co-host, Dr. Raheem Young. How's it going, brother? Good, how you doing? Good, man, good. All is well, man. And also, I'm pleased to announce also a special guest, Mr. Mick Gerhardt. How's it going, man? Oh, pretty good. I, I guess I'm feeling special now that you said I'm a special guest. So. Yeah. <laughs> very special. Very special. So tell us about, about your, your, your journey, man. What do you do and uh, you know, how many kids do you have and what are their ages? Oh, I have one daughter. Yeah, she is turns 18 next week. Uh, she's part of the Chicago public school system, so she's not going to school or doing school virtual. I'm not happy about that, but I guess that's the way it goes right now. <laughs> right. Well, uh, I guess uh, I, I'm not married. I'm divorced. I've uh, been divorced since, well, I shouldn't say, the process started in 2007. The divorce was actually completed, sort of completed, uh, 2011, but we have been in court consistently even to today we still have trials and hearings scheduled so it's been oh, a wow. be so over over 14 years in court now going so what what are you all still uh in court about <laughs> it's what we're not in court about <laughs> uh, you name it. it it just goes on and on forever mm. uh Although the battle of you know, visitation time is sort of a moot point because my daughter turns 18, yeah. uh, there's still financial issues. Okay. It's hard to believe that there still are, but there are. And then it's going to continue because Illinois is one of those states, one of 16 states where we do college contributions. So mm. it will continue through college. I'll say most states don't do college contributions. They find it unconstitutional. Illinois has, people are starting to challenge that law. Mm -hmm. The reason it's considered unconstitutional is married kids don't have a right to college, but divorced kids have a right to college. So that creates two different classes of citizens. And anything that creates two different classes of citizens is a constitutionality issue. Well, that's interesting. So I will be in I didn't know you had to do that for... Yeah, I didn't know you had to do that for, uh, you know, after 18. Yeah, 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 there's, there's lots of bizarre, bizarre things. Yeah, we have uh, called Section 513 in Illinois, and that's the college contribution section. And it's also a little bit bizarre is if neither parent goes to court, then the child doesn't have a right to college. But if one parent goes to court, then the child has a right to college. Mm. So. Wow. So can you talk about can you talk about like um, what happened in, in your relationship that you and your wife <laughs> decided to call it quits? That that's a good question. I honestly don't. To this day, I don't know. Uh, hmm. Just one day, she told my daughter, "Yeah, we lived uh, right by um, um, Soldier Field, mm -hmm. right out my door. Look at Soldier Field." They're putting up a new high rise across the street, and my daughter was 
three, she pointed to the high rise and she told my daughter I was moving across the street. Uh, she was going to have her own bedroom, a bank bunk bed in a pink bedroom. And that's the first I knew of any of it. Oh, wow. So you guys ever talked about it before then? No, it was completely, I was oblivious, I guess. I mean, we're, we had our issues, ups and downs, like anybody else, and this was sort of a shock, threw me off. Uh, you know, and later, uh, some of her friends told me that she just said she's a person who can't be married. Hmm. And uh, I guess marriage, uh, I guess, revealed that to her or something? <laughs> I, I don't, you know, I'm still confused <laughs> to this day. I, I don't, I, I gave up trying to figure it out because I'm just mm -hmm. not sure. And we don't have a relationship where we can talk to each other. Talk's only done through lawyers, very expensive. And to be honest, at, my, at this point or last decade, I've avoided even crossing her path because it left, always led to something negative. Mm. So has going going through this experience has this like revealed anything about you to you? <laughs> I'm an idiot. Uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'm a gullible idiot. Uh, I'll say it, it's changed my perspective on relationships a lot and trust. Uh, I still trust lots of people, but there's always that thing in the back of my mind saying, uh, should, should I be worried here? Yeah. Uh, in, in, sorry, I just have a problem with relationships now. I'm one of those people who nothing's going to get me there. Again, I hate to say it. So how, um, how would you say uh, going through that impacted your daughter? Uh, that's, that's, that's a tough one because um, obviously it puts them in a difficult position. And this started when she was three. Uh, it was very tough for her for a while going back and forth between us. And, and there was lots of alienation tactics. And my daughter would tell me, mommy said this about you. Mommy said that. It, and then, it, and I had a serious fear of alienation because she was working through the court system. My ex was doing a good job working through the court system, limiting my access, uh, or just wasn't there. I'd go to pick up my daughter and no one would answer. So it was very tough there. And I know she had issues and there, there was a period of time where I didn't see her for probably about nine months. And I still don't know what she thought of during that time. She's, she has compartmentalized her world, you could say. She has her mom's side, she has her dad's side, and, she, and you can tell there's a dividing line. She doesn't discuss either way. I, I stopped asking her years ago. I don't know if her mom does. I suspect she does every once in a while. My daughter will say something where it sounds like, you know, she, you know, I won't say interrogates, but ask, her do, ask, ask our daughter, you know, what happens, but I, I think my daughter's pretty much compartmentalized her world. It's just two different worlds. And I guess from her perspective, that's uh, you know, a mode of survival. Otherwise, she'll be conflicted between two parents. Right. 
something that you guys don't experience. <laughs> they, they no, not, not at all. Yeah, my experience was uh, I got divorced and I was done the same day. But uh, you're still going through it 14 years later. Yeah. That's yep, yep. I, you, back then wow. I had long hair. I had long hair. I looked like a rock star. And now this is what I look like. I pulled it all out. <laughs> it looks good on you, mate. It looks good on you. That's right. <laughs> hey, you know what you should do, Mick? You What's should um, invite your ex-wife to dinner and say, let's, uh, you know, we've been going through this for 14 years. Let's go to dinner and figure this thing out. Actually, actually, I did that probably about seven, eight years ago. Uh-huh. And she ran the court to try and get an order of protection against me. <laughs> I was harassing and stalking her. Oh man! Oh. So, so so I won't even I won't even cross that line. I used to buy Mother's Day gifts and birthday gifts and give them to my daughter to give to her, and she told the court that you know some bizarre. I remember one year bought her some flowers for Mother's Day, and she ran in a court file emergency order saying I forced my daughter. I went to the cemetery, got some dead flowers, and forced my daughter to give her dead flowers. <laughs> What? And after that, I said, never again will I go out of my way. Now I just suggest to my daughter, hey, Mother's Day's coming up or your birthday's coming up. Do something for her. Yeah, okay. So can you talk about, like, your relationship with your dad? How, how was that when you were growing up? Uh, my dad, well, he was, I won't say from the old country. He was from Germany. Mm. Um, actually, he was born here, but he spent, you know, the war in Germany, and he didn't come back here until he was 10, so uh, he was a, he was a hard worker, uh, didn't, didn't engage too well with kids, it was a little awkward for him, and my father died when I was like 15, so yeah, I'm like any other kid. I looked up to my dad. I learned a lot from him how to work on cars. I learned how to work, you know, do things around the house. But I wouldn't say we were you know, close like you see kids nowadays. It wasn't like we play, played football together or tossed around the Frisbee. Yeah. He did things around the house. I watched, and if I was lucky, I could hand them some tools. Yeah, hopefully the right tools, but, you know, about it. So you had to go, uh, to go hand me a beer kind of dad. Oh, oh yeah. It, it's kind of funny when I tell my daughter's stories. Because the block that I lived on, the end of the block was an old-style distributor. And I would be five years old. I'd walk down to the old-style distributor with my wagon, knock on the door. They would put a case of old-style, 24 bottles, on my wagon, and I'd walk back home. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd get my dad a beer. <laughs> I'd bring him a case home every couple days oh wow my daughter she when i tell her that stuff she's like you would get beer i said yeah five years old i just go take my wagon and they fill it up <laughs> i have one of those rare wagons i know That's exactly right. what you're talking about yeah oh, well, wow. i wish my daughter would go get me a case of beer <laughs> <laughs> so um what do you think you learned from your dad on how to be a dad yourself? Uh, that's a good question. I, I won't say, 
well, besides learning how to fix things and do things myself, uh, I, I guess lots of it I learned uh, the other the other aspect. Like I said, my dad died when I was 15, so I I'm very sensitive about that with my daughter, making sure that she knows me, you know, relatives, and also we're not a never were a hugging type of family or physically close. So I try to make sure I hug my daughter, tell her I love her. You know, lots of things that that generation did not do. It was it just in, wasn't that you know common? Yeah, you know, actually, we talked about that the other day with uh, another dad we were interviewing. Um, just how like uncomfortable some people are with saying I love. I'm one of these people with saying I love you. You know, I could say um, if somebody says it to me first, I can say I love you too. But just yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah doing it on my own is, is kind of uh, it's uncomfortable for me. Well, it's always been that way. It was kind of bizarre. My family's not a I love you or a touchy-feely, huggy type of family. Whereas yeah. my ex's family was, they would say, they would tell everybody they love, they'd hug, but they'd do the, the hug with the air kiss. Yeah, yeah. I'll just kiss to the side, which I always found was bizarre because it just didn't feel real, but they did it all the time and they're always really weird like complimenting each other overly complimenting whereas mine's just you know you don't ask us a question you don't say do I look fat in this dress because you know what the answer is going to be yeah yeah you know? <laughs> <laughs> we're not we're not good liars <laughs> so uh Mick when your dad died when uh you were 15 um who did you look to uh as a male figure uh going forward the rest of like your uh, your teen years. Um, yeah, that was um, yeah, because really didn't have anybody. Well, I guess sort of luck is, yeah, I, I've done gymnastics my whole life, so I had my coaches and stuff like that, and I've always done some type of sports, whether you know it was track and field, uh, but mostly gymnastics. So always the coaches. I've been in strange as I still co I coach myself now gymnastics. Um, and then I, at 17, I was in the military. So I guess I had uh, <laughs> people above me to look at. I wouldn't call them dad, but right. authoritative figures. So you had a, a yes, sir, no, sir. Yep, yep, uh, learned those words real <laughs> fast. <laughs> you know, that's interesting. You say you're in gymnastics. Um, like my daughter's was in gymnastics. My son was in gymnastics for a little bit, too. And... Um, like, if you really look at it, like, I think the strongest athletes are wrestlers and gymnasts. Um, yeah, yeah, the gymnasts hide it, their strength pretty well, mm -hmm. although now they don't. Years ago, they, they didn't look like they're as muscular as they do now. Yeah. And my daughter, my daughter loves watching that, uh, what's it, American Ninja. Yeah. In the first yeah. couple seasons, the winners always were gymnasts. Now they seem to be always rock climbers. Yeah. How did you get involved in gymnastics? Uh, it runs in the family. My my aunt was in the Olympics, and so it, it, everybody in our family did gymnastics. What did she do in the Olympics? Uh, well, uh, well, gymnastics. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, she did gymnastics. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. So, so my relationship was very close to, because it's kind of bizarre. I knew her, her coach. When I went to college, I went to the Naval Academy. My gymnastic coach was Olympian, and his coach was my aunt's coach. So I crossed lots of paths. Even today, I'll go to University or Circle Campus, whatever they call it, University of Illinois, Chicago, Chicago, whatever, Circle Campus. And I'll run across people who knew my aunt, you know, some of the old timers who are judges and stuff like that. Oh, that's cool. What, uh, what Olympics was she in? She was in the 56 Olympics in Australia, Melbourne. Yeah, I think it's Melbourne, Australia. Oh, okay. So I was not in the Olympics ever. <laughs> I was going to ask you, like, which which category would you go for, like, uh, in the in the gymnastics uh, field? Would it be like, uh, uh, what are the uh, different ones, like uh, freestyle, like on the mat, where you do like the different moves? Um, I ended up, I, I did all the events, and back then, when you're younger, to go in the Olympics, you had to do all the events. I was a pretty good gymnast. I mean, I competed in Europe as a kid. Um, but after a while, there it was obvious certain events I just sucked at. Like the, the horse, I, I was terrible at that. And, um, <laughs> rings, my shoulders couldn't handle it anymore, but I was pretty good at the, the high bar, horizontal bar, floor exercise, vaulting, parallel bars. But yeah. Yeah, no, it's hard to be good at all of them. And it, it was obvious to me I was wasting my time on some events. No matter how hard I tried, I just plain sucked. Yeah. <laughs> so did you uh, coach your daughter? Yeah, that's what I was gonna ask. What's that? Did uh, you uh, coach your daughter? Uh, she would come to the gym with me, and I would teach her stuff. But she didn't want to be in any classes. She just wanted to do fun stuff like swing around. She don't want to do the discipline. The, the hard work, she just wanted to do the fun stuff, which as a kid, yeah, of course. Uh, the best part was it took her, as a gym, as a coach, you like, you like nothing better than a gymnast who has no fear whatsoever. You shake your head and you're like, yeah, this kid is so stupid, I'll see if they'll do this. And they nod their head and they'll try it. My daughter was like that till she got about 14, 15, then she started learning fear. So it sort of took the fun out of it. Before it was like, oh, let's try this, honey. She go for it. Yeah. As a coach, you love a kid like that. You're like, oh man, what else can I get this kid to try? <laughs> That's cool. So, um, I get, I know you said you only have one daughter. Was that like a conscious decision, or? Uh... Uh, no, not really. Um, let's see. My ex, when she had our daughter, she was 46 years old. So it was kind of, I won't say it was a shock. It was a pleasant surprise. We were hoping, didn't think it would happen. Yeah. But af after that one, the odds of another one happening were extremely <laughs> slim. <Yeah. laughs> oh, that's cool. She, so she had a baby at 46. How old were you? I was 40, 41 or 40, something like Yeah, something like that, 40, 41. Hmm. So what was your reaction when y'all found out? Uh, I was in shock, happy, but in shock. Uh, uh, WTF? Say, was that, what's that? Did you say WTF? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. We didn't have WTF back then, but yeah, that definitely was WTF. 
Wow. So you guys started out pretty pretty late, man. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, we we got married later. I got married at a later age, I guess, in my thirties. Do you think it's better to get married when you're uh, younger and like you all grow together, yeah. or older when you're more established? Well, I used to, well, I used to tell people the good thing about having a child when you're older is you're wiser and smarter. Mm-hmm. The negative is obviously you're not as agile and active, so you can't you know, catch them. Although I, I think I did a pretty good job, um, but, but honestly, I. I would like to have it younger because there's other issues that go with younger is let's see by the time they're through college, you still have time because my daughter isn't even in college yet. And I'm going to be 60 in a couple months and my ex is going to be 66. So my daughter won't be out of college till my ex is 70 years old. So, you know, lots of issues go with that, especially financial as well. So, yeah. And I know that you said like your um, divorce with your wife kind of skewed your view of relationships. Okay. So what do you tell what do you, <laughs> what do you tell your daughter about uh, dating or relationships? Uh, I don't tell her anything. Luckily, she has not shown an interest in dating. I mean, she she has her friends, and and none of them seem to be boy crazy or girl crazy you know it's both genders but they just seem to hang out you know as a group so i haven't had to worry about that yet but i just try to show her you know try to be an example whether you know with friends or her other relatives show her without pointing it to her but try to hint that this is what a healthy relationship looks like yeah that's pretty cool. I'll say I'm a little bit afraid to broach the subject because I know if I broach the subject and it got back to my ex, she would be running in the court saying something. <laughs> I guarantee it'll be twisted into some weird thing. Hmm. So you have a very interesting story in regards to um, going through the courts yourself and also being involved as a lawyer yourself in the courts. Um, Talk about that, like, uh, like the things that you that you've seen, like uh, over over the years. Not just your story, but like other uh, things or examples. Oh God, I discovered court is scary. Um, I'm one of the people who grew up believing in our government, Uncle Sam, and I believed our system and all that. Hell, I was in the Marine Corps, but you know, I, my view of the country is kind of, I won't say skewed. I'm very pro-America, thought it, you know, sure had its fault, but it was, you know, great place. And I thought the judicial system was, you know, that's where fairness comes out of, justice. And I learned quickly that was not quite true. And I didn't practice the family law originally uh, until my divorce started. And I started going to family law because I kept on shaking my head saying, this can't be this can't be right. This can't be true. And the more I kept on saying it, the more I kept on seeing it. Whether it was with my case, clients of mine, or other attorneys, it, it's kind of funny. The people who hate divorce attorneys the most are attorneys who don't practice divorce. I, I've met so many attorneys, even ones who aren't divorced, uh, 
they hate divorce attorneys. They think they're the scum of the earth, you know, worse than the average person on the street who hates attorneys. Yeah. Because they, there's no integrity. It, it's the dregs of society. It really is. And people sit there and go, don't you know a good one? Uh, all the good ones I know don't do that anymore. Yeah. So do you think like, uh, well, like policing, a lot of times police, police based on stereotypes. Do you think the court works the same way where they, I guess, rule on stereotypes? Uh, I'll say yes, there, there's lots of biases in the court system. And in fact, it's kind of strange about five years ago, the Illinois Supreme Court commissioned a study on biases of judges. And it turns out the most biased judges were family court judges by far. And it, I won't say admittedly so, based on the you know scenarios they gave them, it, it was pretty bad. And at the time when the you know, report was commissioned, it, I knew it was completed and I asked for a copy of it. And the Illinois Supreme Court denied me a copy. They said the Freedom of Information Act does not apply to them and therefore I can't have it. And it, it was very critical of them. Luckily, uh, the professor out of, I think it was Champaign-Urbana was commissioned to do it. She published her report, so I eventually got a copy of it, showing that the biases. I've, I've approached the Professionalism Commission for the Supreme Court, asked them what they were doing to address it, and they basically ignored me. So they, so they had a study done that showed bias and their intentions. They have, they've shown nothing, no intentions of addressing it. Just you know. It's none of your business what the report says. Like I said, if the professor didn't publish, I wouldn't have it. And then once I got it, I asked what they were going to do, and they just ignored me. Do you know why she never like went forward to try to publish the study or the results? Why who who didn't? Why um, the lady that uh, did the study? Why she never tried to publish it? Oh no no. The, late, the professor who did the study, she published mm -hmm. it, but the Supreme Court commissioned it, and they refused to release it. Oh, okay. Okay, I see. Yeah. So, and they refused. When I requested it, they gave every answer they could and saying they didn't have to release it. And, of course, I argued that they had to because it was public dollars. And then mm -hmm. a couple of years later, here comes the published report. And, like I said, the professor who did it, who uh, received the you know, contract, she published her results. Hmm. So do you, have you experienced a lot of things like that with all your years of experience in, in the uh, court system? The court trying to cover stuff system. up and different things like that? Well, yeah, the, the courts do a real good job of uh, ensuring there's no transparency. Yeah. They don't want anyone to peek behind the curtain to find out what's really going on. Uh, luckily, more and more people are pushing and peeking, and they're, they're getting whacked as they do it. Let me tell you, it's not easy to go into a court as a lawyer and attack the system. Mm. Uh, they frown upon it. So I equate it to you, you never pee in your pool, and that's exactly what you're doing as a lawyer. <laughs> you're peeing in your own pool. You know, it, it doesn't go over well. Mm. So can you talk about like some of the policies and bills that you're trying to get passed now? 
Well, our golden bill that always will be is the share parenting. By yeah. default, 50-50 share parenting. Uh, we don't have that one before legislation this session. Um, I mean, typically our bills have always been shared parenting. Uh, we try to go after child support, which is always closely re related to visitation and shared parenting. And the way we go after child support is not the dollar amount. We try to do away with something called imputed income where a judge just gives a number. The judge says, you know what? Uh, I think you should be earning this amount of money. Therefore, child support will be based on that. I don't care if you're not earning it. I think you should be making that. And we've been trying to get rid of that. Uh, it's been difficult. It's kind of strange as the federal government has been telling states to get rid of that imputed income. However, the federal government you know, encourages imputed income by providing money to the court system to, you know, they the states in the court system receives money for locking up people and going after people. So it's just there, they, the feds say, stop doing this imputed income. It's not right, it's not fair, it's counterproductive. However, if you do it, we'll give you money. So of course the states keep doing that. Right. We're getting successful in other areas of common sense where they took licenses of people. You know, you're behind on child support, they take away your driver's license. Well, you take away your driver's license, that means you can't get a job. Or they throw you in jail because you can't pay it, you can't get a job to pay it. So, so they're getting better, your know, legislation getting passed on those type of issues, not, not directly, but indirectly. Uh, they're getting passed. Or I'm gonna say LaShawn got one passed last session on your driver's license cannot be taken away for financial issues child supports financial issues. So he didn't attack it directly. If he did, uh, he would have lost, but because he did it indirectly, you know, it was able to pass. So those are the type of things that we see going. Another one is we're trying to get training in parental alienation. Um, that one, obviously the Bar Association has fought that one and um, child, what is it, uh, HFS. Health and Family Services has been fighting that one too, and DCSF. They said we don't, they don't want to be trained in stuff like that, which is shocking, because we, because we're trying to get. Some states are starting to define it as abuse, which means if you can get it defined as abuse, then you can use it to balance uh, the court system. Uh, I mean, those are the type of issues that we go after. Gotcha. So um, if you had to um, speak to the people, if you will, uh, to the dads in particular, uh, what, um, what would you? Uh, <laughs> I'm thinking of the Robbie Dangerfield <laughs> class when they graduate. This is what I tell you on graduation. Don't stay with your parents. <laughs> yeah, uh, in relation to uh, like the bills you're trying to pass, like what, what could dads do uh, to, to help? further that cause, because it's, it's definitely a worthy one. Oh, it, it's tough. Um, obviously, any contact with legislators is always good. The more you can push legislators, and especially if you're a constituent, uh, that's good because most legislators, I won't say are owned by the bar, they're members of the bar, they're lawyers and they're members of the bar, so they're gonna do what the bar wants. Uh, lot, when we do legislative stuff, we try to bring in different people I mean, I've been testifying for well over a decade. 
but we try to bring in females whenever we can, you know, so they can sit there because every time we go for a bill, the first thing we get attacked is you're a bunch of disgruntled, angry dads. Well, yeah, we're disgruntled and angry because we got screwed uh, out of seeing our child. But this way, if we bring women, they can't sit there and say, you're a bunch of disgruntled, angry dads. It's like, okay, here's a mom. Uh, so, so that's the way we try to approach it. And obviously we always, you know, as calm as possible. Uh, you can't be angry because they'll just use it against you. It's sort of like poking you with a stick and then when you react, Oh, see, they're, they're upset. Well, yeah. But yeah, just maintaining a close relationship with the legislators is probably the best thing to do to get it passed. Uh, the negative is getting bills passed doesn't mean change. Because I remember the first bill we got passed, the Steve Watkins Act. Steve Watkins was the subject of one of those shows, 20, 20 or 48 hours. He was a dad, wanted to pick up his child. Bullet was put in the back of his head. Um, so we named this act the Steve Watkins Act, and that was the first one that we have passed. Basically, it said the penalties for visitation interference are the same as the penalties for non-payment of child support. You can go to jail or whatever. Um, I'm trying to think how I got into this. Uh, so, uh, okay, I can't even remember how I started on that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, my, my original question was, uh, what, what can uh, dads do to, to help further the, uh, the cause for the bills? But it sounds like moms can help too, not just dads. Uh, yeah. Um, oh, in, in anytime dads try to get change, it'll be, you know, you just want change because you don't want to pay child support or you're an abuser and you want to be able to control your ex. Uh, it's it's hard for them to accept the concept that maybe dads love their kids or the flip argument is maybe mom wants custody or wants more time so she gets more child support. But, but they don't seem to like to hear stuff like that. Uh, it, it's very, I won't say it, it's very anti-dad type issue. But I feel sorry for the women who don't have custody because they have a tougher you know, psychological and emotional thing than dads do. If a dad doesn't get custody, Everybody goes, yeah, he's a dad, he doesn't get custody, and it's normal. If a woman doesn't get custody, it's extremely tough because, yeah, if I'm a dad and I say I don't have custody, everybody goes, yeah, yeah, your dad, you got screwed. If I'm a woman say, I don't have custody, everybody says, what did you do? Are you a co-core? What is, you know, they assume it has to be real, real bad if yeah, a woman yeah. didn't get custody. So it's extremely tough on the women. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're getting close to time, but I want to ask you one last question. Um, if you could give advice to any young dad or uh, well, just a dad in general, what would it be? Yeah, because most, most of my stuff is geared towards the negative, <laughs> you know, because of divorce. Um, you know, mine is... I guess for me, the most important thing is family, you know, maintaining a close relationship with your child, especially early on, very engaged with your child. I think that means, means a lot to the child, whether they realize it or not. I think you know, all, all the studies show that close relationship early on uh, helps out. It built well, attachment theory. That attachment is extremely important for a child in those first, you know, couple years 
And just the fact that you have an attachment, it's extremely difficult to break that attachment. So, like I said, I'm sort of putting it towards a negative, yeah, viewing the negative for the possibility of divorce, which I hate to do because I don't know how to avoid divorce. I, I really don't. I wish I knew. Okay. Okay. That's good. That's good advice, man. All right. Well, yeah. So if you had to um, tell the people where uh, to find you online, uh, uh, Facebook or you know Instagram, Twitter, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where you at, man. But uh, we just got off your radio show. You know, we can uh, send people there. Uh, but where would yeah, you like people? people I don't. People find me over the years. <laughs> I don't have, I don't put anything out there. It seems to be word of mouth uh, that people <laughs> find me uh, through some because I've been doing this for so long. I get calls from all over the place. That's how I found you, word of mouth. Uh, I, yeah, because I don't, I don't maintain, I guess I have a Facebook account because one of my nieces did it like 10 years ago, but I just don't know how to use it. So, <laughs> so yeah. People, yeah, people just call me and say, I got your name from so-and-so. And that's how they find me. <laughs> We're going to keep that going. I got uh, some of your info. I'm going to leave it in the description below so people can get in contact with you somehow, somewhat. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't there an old movie like that? Or the 18, that's what it is, the 18. <laughs> they, yeah, right. They'll find you or whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, well, maybe yeah, this is a good one, man. I appreciate uh, you, sh you sharing your story, man. It's gonna it's gonna help a lot of people. Well, yeah. thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for joining us. Welcome. All right, so without further ado, uh, again, my name is Sirvers Realis for Dr. Raheem Young and uh, Nick Gerhardt. Uh, thanks for listening, and uh, stay tuned for further announcements. And Nick, don't hang up. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. It's a wrap. Yes, yes. Thank you for listening to WTF Interviews. If you want to get in contact with us, you can reach us via our website, WTFatherhood.org. Uh, also, our Facebook page and our Facebook group will be listed in the description below as well. Uh, I ask you to leave a, a review as it helps more people receive the message. And uh, again, until next time, be well. You already are.